0: Hey, and welcome to another edition of the Rugby Report Cup, another day into the Rugby World Cup. Uh, well, obviously, what a great uh, championship it has been so far, with many highs and lows along the way. Uh, but we have a special guest today with us. Uh, we have a little one. How are you today? Uh, Blake, you have, you have someone joining us today.
1: Yeah, look, I've got my daughter in my lap, um, mostly because we're trying to get three-year-olds bed upstairs, but I figured it will temper me, but if she's uh, doing any babbling uh, in the background, she apologises in advance, but I think she talks like a father.
0: I thought that was just Jim, sorry. Jim, are you there too, mate, as well? Yeah, I'm here. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. I'm looking forward to this episode because I feel like uh, one of you is going to go off in a diatribe about the state over rugby in Australia. Uh, and there's going to be a few profanities along the way. So I think it'd be remiss of me not to start off and say that uh, congratulations to Fiji. What a great win it was for them overnight. Fantastic for for them moving forward. To beat England and Australia within a, within a month is amazing, particularly without their 10. And what a great uh, thing it is for the world game it is for them to grow as a nation. However, I totally get the fact that um, for you two, it is tragic at this moment in time. No?
1: um you're right Richard it is incredible for Fiji um and I think we have to recognize how well they played um they, they were they're absolutely outstanding mm-hmm. and uh we know their athletic potential when you look at the rugby sevens program you look at how quickly the drawer have come on uh with you know a whole process and set up to that system and how bloody brilliant they are now in the pathways that's creating there's a lot to celebrate I think for 30 years rugby fans have been calling for the arrival of Pacific Islander nations, Um, and Samoa look okay. Tonga still look like they've got a bit of work to go. But to see Fiji arriving, it it truly is special. Um, And um, I think percentage of population to playing, Fiji's number one in world rugby by a country mile. So the country lives and breeds rugby union. Um, and it's bloody special. And for so long, every country in the world has stolen players from Fiji um, in this professional age. So to see Fiji delivering, I think if it wasn't um, if it wasn't against Australian rugby, I think every Australian fan would be cheering from the rafters. Um, so good on Fiji. Um, and I actually did a poll before we started this podcast, and I said, what do people want to hear? Do you want to hear us be positive, be an- analytical, or come off the long run? Um, and 27% were positive. So I'm just getting that out of the way now. Um, just to on a side, um,
0: sorry, Jim, to cut you off, but I just want to just add an extra layer into that comment about the the the, the Fiji game. The fact is, we've always seen Fiji as this flamboyant and we've we've met that stereotype about being athletic and linked to sevens and stuff. But they're set piece. You know, they kick their goals. That's very un, you know, if you think back to five, 10 years ago of a Fiji team, they wouldn't have taken the three points. Uh, you know, they won the game on a on a scrum where they'd uh, you know, where they'd scrummaged well all all, uh, all game. Uh they nicked some ball as well along the way, they got over the ball. Um so yeah, it was an evolution of them in the 15s game. It's it's fantastic to see. Sorry, Jim.
2: Oh, that's all good. Oh, you didn't cut me off at all. I reckon they
0: still played quite true to their identity. Yeah, too, um, but added an extra layer in as well, though.
2: I think, which is the big difference. Ah, just clinical, man. Just mm. a, just much better rugby players from 1 to 23, much more seasoned and well-versed, and that's a testament to the opportunity that's opened up over in Europe. These guys are getting signed, they're getting developed, and this was always in the winds.
0: Yeah, and the change of the rules as well, obviously saying that you're not going to... I don't know, obviously may not have impacted Fiji as much, but for other Pacific Island nations, the fact that you can not play for one team, one international team, and then wait three years and, and go and play for another, uh, you know even if you look at that Samoa team with um, Coleman in it and whatever, it's going to make those Pacific Islander teams and stronger. And that's for a world game and for it to
2: be a world game, but that's fantastic to see. Um, well, but I think three- the thing is, is the, um, is the coaching staff getting it together, Matt, yeah, like but... we always talk about connections. Eh, it's not a centralized system. They go to Europe, they come back, bums. They take ages to get back into the swing. Yeah, it's not the, not the case over there.
1: No. I yeah, just, but I think I, the missing I, I... piece of that pie is the drawer. Mm. Um And as good as the international players coming back in and and how special they are, I think the Drawer make up twenty plus players in that Fijian squad. Yeah. Um, so just having a base continuity of players who train together and know each other allows you to parachute in your Rudrardras, your Tuivasas, like there's absolute beasts around them. Um, so I think it's that beautiful combination of bringing in a couple of superstars, namely in the backs, that um, have a team built around a core squad that makes Fiji a bit special and probably a bit more special than Tonga and Samoa. Um, even. Samoa has a bit from the the Pacifica side.
0: Can I ask, Jim? Is there is there enough evidence now? Because obviously talking about Drewer and players coming back, you know, maybe you know, is there a chance for a rewrite of your book to talk about cohesion? Because clearly, there's there, this team is very cohesive at the moment. Um, you know, maybe adding a little bit extra in about how how important cohesion is, because in this Wallaby team, there is no cohesion at the moment. No,
2: no zero um look of course cohesion is one of the the four pillars that holds the foundation of um culture (laughs) you would have known that which is why i'm a bit perplexed by your question had you read the book i just i just
0: wanted to the opportunity to plug your book again mate just i don't know if it's it's all sold out on amazon so i just wanted to. it is and
2: you know if we're going to go down that track i'm signing all copies for anyone willing to send it and i'll send it back for free of charge all that if you want a signed copy just send your book over and i'll sign it but Moving on from that, look, if it's not the Sevens, it's the Druwer. The drawer had a great season. The Sevens campaign over in Fiji have been huge as well. Um, they're pretty versatile, those characters, when they're going between maybe a Sevens format and going over to the drawer and the style of rugby they play at the Fifteens game, very, very transferable. You look at those Sevens and the mm. pace of them. You talk about Kemeni being quick. Jesus. Mm. That's funny.
1: And I think, um like, and the segues to the Wallabies' lack of continuity and lack of gauge, you know, a myriad and obvious, and obviously we'll draw that parallel in a moment. But I also think um to get into the game itself, Fiji played the referee beautifully. Um, they dominated the breakdown um, and they dominated the collision and, and 18 penalties to seven um i think you know we were on the receiving end and i think there was a little bit of mario kart for the the way that wales game went against fiji Um, and i think unfortunately australia were on the receiving end but fair play to fiji they played the breakdown um and and told us up there i mean 18-7 penalty count when was the last time you're the stats man rich and I, i genuinely would love to know this question when was the last time a tier two nation had a better penalty count, namely a Pacific Islander nation, because they cop it usually. Had a better penalty count than the Tier One, and I'm doing those in quotations than a Tier One nation um, because eighteen to seven ratio. And I think the Wallabies got three or four penalties in the last ten minutes. Um, they schooled us at the breakdown um, and schooled us in in playing the referee. I know um, you. Be- I know you're being facetious. Acting. I know you're been facetious with the Tier One, Tier Two, but as as Fiji are
0: above both England and Australia, I think in the world rankings, I think we need to throw the, the terminology of Tier Two out of the out of it. But I agree with your point. It's it's a long time. Uh, they were they were smart um, with how they did it, and I think the breakdown, as you say, they were they were much better at it. Uh, they were able to get there quicker. Um, Australia were pinged a lot for obviously not supporting the body weight, going over the top. There was a lot of things. But I just don't think Australia was smart. They didn't play to the referee. They, they, they Richiano, I remember, got warned about one thing, and then, and then he did the same thing a couple of minutes later. It was hey, just, um, it was just, um, they just weren't smart enough. They didn't show enough rugby smarts. And not only with the referee, but the Wallabies also just kicked the ball away too much. Um, you know, I remember Nick White trying to. Uh, Australia were going forward, and they were just inside the twenty-two, and he kicked the ball dead. Uh, it was just, it was. They just weren't smart enough. I keep using that word, but uh, for a nation that has good average to good players, they just didn't play a good game in inverted commas, um, and that's really disappointing for a fan. No, yeah, uh, well, we
1: said going to the Wallabies here because it's time to warm up. Well, why don't you go,
0: Yeah, why don't you say what are the big three things? What are the three things? What's what
1: hurt you the most? But, uh, the inevitability of it. Look, mm. let's just. It's called a spade a spade. Six captains in seven games, going to a World Well, I mean, we've done this on the podcast, right? Going to a World Cup with, what was it, 17 blokes that have never won a World Cup game, going with the least capped team in any world rugby, having your backup fly half be the ninth-ranked fly half in the country, not bringing a goal kicker to the World Cup, leaving a Wallaby captain with 135 caps at home, leaving Lenny Ketel at home, leaving Pete Samu at home, um, all at losing your assistant coach the day before you get on the plane and just everyone pretending like it was part of the plan. It was batshit from day one. We said it was batshit and this genuinely looked like boys versus men. It looked like the first 15 had just graduated and got out of school and now they were playing semi rudra Have fun, fellas. Um, we got beat up and we got bashed. and as much as I'll oh, blood the young guys for the next World Cup, fuck off. How about this World Cup? But worse than that, I don't think you're blooding them. I think you're crippling them.
2: Um, yeah, we have talked about that before. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Just
1: throwing them out to lambs to the slaughter. So the I know people want to say, you know, since 2003, Australian rugby has been on decline, too many super rugby teams, no third-tier competition. No what happened players, then? Not in the public school system. All of that, right? But I'm saying... The remit for our podcast is this tournament and this team, and I just don't think you can defend those selections whatsoever at all. Um, the the amount, it's a World Cup. Look at Wales, mate. It's their shit, right? But bigger, half penny. These guys that have just passed it, but at a World Cup, they will find that extra 5%. They will lead the other 13 blokes through fire. To get there. And and I tell you what, mate, if that team had Michael Hooper, Jed Holloway, um, Bernard Foley, Quade Cooper, whoever you like, right? I'm just hypotheticals. Everyone can pick their own one or two case studies that they like. If you had leaders in that team, I think you 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 pull it together in the second half. There's a path to victory there. Um and you know it was the line out it was fucking clear as day but we just kept kicking the ball to them. Um, It was a a disaster. So I think the problem is obviously it's long-term, but that's just an excuse for how disgraceful parachuting Eddie has been. And I think we all sat here, right? Richard, you were a bit reluctant on Eddie. Me and Jim were, yeah, why not? Dave Rennie didn't do well enough. Let's go. But we all thought there'd be a short-term sugar hit. We're one from seven. The only team we've beat this year is Georgia. It's disgraceful. And, and we can go through the certain players, plenty of bums, plenty of players not up to it on the weekend, but I simply think the makeup of that team was, was not up to it. And I, and I tweeted this as well, and I'd love to know what you boys think. And sorry, I know I'm coming off the long run here. But we ended that game with Fines at halfback, can't play for a Super Rugby team, Donaldson at 10, can't play free Super Rugby team. doesn't make the cut. Vinane on the wing, doesn't make the cut for his Super Rugby team. Jordan Batire at outside center doesn't make the cut at outside center for his Super Rugby team. Shoup, uh at ProP doesn't make the cut for his Super Rugby team. Nongor at ProP, doesn't make the cut for his Super Rugby team. Ulisi at Hooker doesn't make the cut for his Super Rugby team. we had half of our team for the last half an hour and they weren't even the worst players, mind you, don't get picked in Super Rugby. Can we stop pretending they were clever selections? It was diabolical, absolutely diabolical. Sorry, rant But like, what do, you guys, do you guys agree that yes, the problems are myriad, but surely selections are, are the reason we lost that one? Yeah, just before you throw to you, Jim. I just
0: I, I agree with your point, um, but it's also not only selections. But you've made the selection. But you've still got to try and win the game, and I don't think the game plan or the tactics or strategies uh, that have been set up by and his coaching team uh, have been simple enough. Uh, When you've all been fired, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. With the constant changing, I just feel like the fact is that you keep the strategy simple, basic, um, because you don't have the cohesion to be able to play his. Um, you know, no position rugby. You know, uh, like basketball, no position basketball. And because they haven't, they haven't been in enough um, training camps and whatever, and played games, you're always destined to fail in that. Um, so I think it not only I feel slightly bad for the players because they've been thrown into this this mess and been expected to to try something. And to your point before, I feel bad for Carter Gordon, for example, who's learning on an international stage and and getting walloped like he did yesterday, which is not his fault. So. It's not only the players who are not up to it, but also the tactics and strategies as well
2: that that come with it. Sorry, Jim. Matt, I don't really have much more to add. The proofs in the pudding to all the points that we're making. You just didn't get the result at the end of the day. didn't even look like we were in it, to be honest with you. It wasn't a competition. They beat us all over the park.
1: Do you like that. Can I jump on your Carter Gordon point, Richard? And then even the continuity point. I guarantee if you just pick the Brumbies, they play better. I agree. If you just pick the Tars, they play better. I agree. they literally both those squads win that game.
0: I wouldn't like, go that far, but are they the continuity? And if if they play smart rugby, they would win. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say the Tars would win. more lorry
1: Brumbies rolling more. Yeah,
0: but they're Brumbies. I, I'd pay that absolutely. But my, question, like, my question okay. to both of you is: is that I remember sitting on this podcast you know, several times, and both of you were uh, ap- uh, apoplectic about the the state of rugby in Australia. Listening to both of you right now. I mean, there's mean this in all seriousness, you've gone part, you're not really that angry. It's just excessive. Yeah,
1: I think we're past that. We're just resigned to being 10th in the world. It's sad though when you look at the decade potentially ahead. Hmm. Um, are, you ruin, are you ruining are you ruining the, all the, all the decade behind? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's sad too. Can I jump on your car to Gordon Point, Richard? And yeah, I go think, for it. Um, he had a good season at the Rebels and we we're all really excited about Carter Gordon. Now, I think in hindsight, we will all think you should have an experienced 10 at a World Cup who can kick mm-hmm. goals. Um, and right now, if we could, we would all hit the buzzer to shoehorn either Quaid, Vernon Foley or Lola Seo into that team. Um, <clears throat> I genuinely believe that. You guys can can... Speak for or against that. But I think Carter Gordon, because he was the sort of final hope and he was the earmark of the young future, and I still think he is, mind you. I still think he is. But I feel like everyone's afraid to say he's playing shit. Like if Noah played how he has played in the last two games, Knives would have been out. But I think Carter Gordon, because he was the last hope or something, everyone is just reserving calling it how it is. Like he doesn't get goals, so he needs to play bloody well at 10. And simply he he isn't. Carter Gordon isn't playing well. Um, and I would take any of those other three ahead of him. And I mean the fact that he was pulled for Ben Donaldson with 30 minutes to go, the ninth ranked fly half in Australia, tells you everything you need to know. I feel a bit bad for him though, you, know, and, and, Just so, so, you know, so do I mean, mate.
0: Yeah, so and the thing is about it, if you look back to Noah. When Nick White and Noah played together, there was a combination that played at the Brumbies and they knew how each other played and they played with Karevi. And I know 12 was a problem for the, Wild, for the Wallabies because Karevi was injured or in his Japan contract. But I just feel with Carter Gordon at the moment, one minute he's got Tate, who's the sniping quick player. Then to your point last week, when we got Nick White, we're playing off nine. He genuinely, I don't think he knows whether he's coming or going at the moment, uh, and his forwards don't give him enough platform. You know, as much as we were talking up the back row, uh, and the the second rows before, uh, without Skelton, um, and I don't think the the six, seven, eight are uh, good enough. didn't do a good enough job going forward yesterday. So there are a number of caveats or reasons why. But I agree with your point. I think there would have been um, there would have been a bigger uproar if the more experienced interverticomers played that have played. But have played um, Jim?
2: Yeah. Look, mate, I don't have too much to add, to be honest with you. We were just pretty shit. We've been pretty shit for a while now. Um, it's just sort of repeating all the points.
0: How do you feel about moving into your next game? Like, obviously, we've got the Wales is the, the, obviously the big game coming up. We're obviously, we're not going to discuss the Portugal game. But, like, do you want to, like, you? do you go into it, you, you win that game, you qualify
1: out the group? Like, No, I think it isn't. Currently, we need to win with a bonus point and a 10-point margin. Yeah, so which is not unachievable against a, an average
0: Wales team. Well, it's, I genuinely it, don't. It, it's, okay, so for example, you lose your app, whatever. But if you win and you go through, does that cloud, the, does that make everyone forget because you, you you got out the group and then suddenly you're playing against England or Argentina and suddenly you might get to everyone forgets? Or is this, is this deep-seated now that finally the penny has dropped? Uh, and we realise that wholesale changes need to occur. Because we've read all the rumours that are coming out, and there's lots of rumours around town at the moment.
1: Um, but something needs to change, surely. I, I, can I, to your point, wholesale changes need to occur. That's a fan's response, right? And that's our job on this podcast, to fucking fire him, sack him, he's shit, he's a bum, um, and you blow up the whole system. That's how fans are supposed to respond, right? Um, because they lose and they're passionate and they want their team to win. And that, that's what we do on this podcast from time to time. Um, professional coaches on hundreds of thousands of dollars a year have to be above that yes. and they have to pick logically with a plan in line with training schedules, fitness schedules, blah, 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 data, analytics, the whole fucking gambit, right? And I feel like that's all Eddie was. He was an angry fan who was like, well, Michael Hooper and Quade Cooper have not won. Fuck them off. Um, And so we've done the wholesale changes, and that's what this gets you, rather than accept a slow build. Um, And I think, you know, the learning from this World Cup is a centralised system and a fucking slow build where you don't piss off all your old blokes just yet. You keep a few around that are appropriate for the team and the squad. You bring a few young guys in, but you blood them so they look like rock stars off the bench and every fan's chomping at the bit for them to start, but you know you're holding them back, preserving them, putting them on to learn their craft um, rather than blow the whole thing up. That's what a fan wants. I feel like that's what Eddie's done. So I I think the, the difficulty after this World Cup, right, let's say we lose to Wales and we're out. Well, What do you blow up? Would no, it, nothing, no. It,
0: there's, nothing left to, there's
1: nothing left to blow up, mate. It's, it's, no, it, no, no, no. Well,
0: no, I agree with that. I just mean in terms of maybe changing mindset, um, changing maybe structures in terms of pathways. Like, I don't know, in terms of that transition from cults to 20s to whatever to that centralised system, I agree. I think that's a, that what needs to happen. Yeah. Um, all of those things, but definitely not to blow up the team because there is no blowing up of the team to go. He's
1: picked a team, yeah. And I think blow this. up the fucking old boys' club that, yeah, or you know, the private school cabal that run the operation and parachute yeah. and hamish in and parachute at Eddie in and fuck all them off, right? But I just don't know enough about it, mm. you know what I mean? The, the angry fan in me is like, get rid of them all, but I don't know, mm. I don't know what goes on behind all the scenes. They, they, they haven't seemed to be doing a very good job of it recently. Um, but I, I, I don't know, I feel like. I'm best served to talk about the footy, and the footy Mm. was pretty shit. Um, I saw saw someone write, it was a good analogy, that Karevi looked like a bit of a Manu Tuolangi from England. Mm. Um, And I just think the poor bloke's kind of just come back from injury a bit. He's not there. Mm. And without Karevi being there, we really lack any punch because our whole game plan seemed to be to kick the shit out of it and try and out-physical the most physical team in the world. Mm. Um, And with Karevi unable to do that, we we just had nowhere to go. Mm. Um, And and whose idea it is to pick Jordan Pettire for the sole job of kicking the pill, I cannot quite wrap my head around that. Um, And who told Nick White to just no matter the score, no matter the territory, no matter the position, kick the ball is fucking bananas. Um, So I don't know, just talking about the footy, I thought we were absolutely shite. Um, and I think the depth in the squad, and this is what we said, right, when Eddie picked his team, okay, there's an argument there that the the first 15 he picks isn't bad. It's every player after that in the 33-man squad that's shit, and I think that's what we're seeing now. It's the bench comes on and they've got nothing extra to add, and then it's um. in addition to that, it's it's once you get a couple of injuries, there's no one to go to. Jim, well, I haven't heard
2: much from you, Jim. Get angry. Mate, I'm just, I'm a bit shattered, to be honest. I Getting up, didn't really get back to sleep after it. I'm just disappointed. Mate, I went, went to work today. I was asking if anyone watched it. No one even knew it was fucking on, man. Like, I was just a bit depleted with the whole thing. Um, I haven't bounced back yet. I probably should have waited another 24 with this because I'm trying to distance it myself from it because it hurts.
0: And, and look, I think the. Thing is, pretty well
2: there, <laughs> I
0: was just going to say it's probably very apt, and I think a lot of people in the rugby circles will be feeling that way. Um, to your point, uh, Blake, I agree completely. The, the starting fifteen has potential, but the the, the players coming on are, uh, are not great. Uh, but if you were remiss before, we talk about individuals that are not playing very well. Angus Bell is is the one standout performer in that Wallaby team at the moment, and moving forward, you've talked about sixth captains, various assistant coaches. Build around, build the culture, build around the the collective efficacy around that, around him. Because whenever he has the ball, he's the one player who gets you excited. Um, he has that if you're in France, that little bit of jeunesse quoi, that little bit of leg, you know, that will get you over the game line and a little bit of excitement. So as and much as there's actually, Richard, <laughs> um, as much as there's a lot of down a lot of down points, and um, I think it'd be remiss of us not to big up him because. Since his return and to back into the green and gold, he's he's made a huge impact in that team.
2: Yeah, one person won't do it for you, but
0: no, it won't. But um, I think he said, as he, he continues to set the t- the tone. I think players who's coming with him, but hopefully, if Karevi gets a bit bit, bit fitter, um, Karevi won't yeah. play for
2: Australia again after this year.
0: You're probably right. Goins and earn a million over in Japan. Hopefully Nick oh, Frost. Why the
2: fuck would you hang around? Yeah, why, would you,
1: why would you no hang around? No one knows around, what mate? they're doing.
2: No uh, one knows the, what they're doing.
1: You guys see the, um, you know, the bit of talk on the town, the bit of mail we get from here and there. From all accounts, that squad sounds fucking diabolical. It sounds like a pretty toxic place to be right now. Why would you but, hang But so
2: does the rugby. The rugby is fucking shit. Mate, our attack, does it ever get past 12? It's one ups, two ups at most. They attacked the blind like four four times and we got in our own way. It was <laughs> so bad. It was just it? We outnumbered the defence, but all of our bodies were facing inward. It was absolutely atrocious. We kept going back there. Clearly, that was the only plan we had other than kick the leather off it um, and not chase.
1: And I know I sound like I'm Eddie bashing because I am. Because yeah, that. The, fight man. He deserves it. He's got a lot to answer for. Um, <clears throat> it all seems the coaching like we seem so overcoached with the kicking, with the blind side. like, yeah, you're right, Jim, why were they doing that shit on repeat? It didn't look instinctive. It didn't look eyes up. um we we pick and goad once. we went straight through them. Frost looked outstanding, Bell looked outstanding. We walked straight through them with a pick and go why fucking why we just abandoned that and just went for let's see if we can get the blind side a thousand times
2: or crevy can run over someone or let's just kick it It everyone's wrong-footed no one's ready for it i don't know what they've been doing
0: can i ask um we we obviously wedding eddie used to be a coach of england and you remember me saying england never have a plan b england don't play heads up rugby uh england are only have one idea and they're not flexible. They're, they're stuck in their ways. It's like watching Australia in that way at the moment. They do something well and it seems like they're shit scared of Eddie because if they do something off the cuff or different or um, you know um, unusual, I feel like they think that they're going to get uh, dropped by Eddie or that sense of being uncomfortable or don't have the freedom because... School teacher Eddie is being the master of them, and and they have to follow his instructions or else. Mate, one hundred
2: percent. It feels like a compliance team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's make like no mistake. Big Eddie was some hired. Compliance. Eddie was hired because he turned England around in six months. He was hired because he turned Japan around in two years. He was hired because he turned the Wallabies into a team, the last good team that we had. He was only hired for some short term success. That five made. years, but may turn into some long-term go- All those contracts are worth fucking dog balls, mate. They don't mean anything. I don't care how many years are on the contract. There's always a get-out clause if they're willing to cough it up, and they are. And that, bloke, that bloke will be in Japan in three months. Absolutely will be. Um, I heard that, actually.
0: There the was only a, reason. There was a rumour going around that he is going to be coaching Japan. Do you think that's going to No, think, in Japan, not Japan. No, that's what I mean. Sorry. That, that's what I mean. Coaching for one of the franchise teams. Does that surprise you? You See me? you, mate. Pack I mean, your bags.
2: Doesn't surprise me at all.
0: Bucky, I'm surprised would you... he's
2: coach next game. Like,
0: uh, like, if he got sacked within the next week, what, what do you boys think? Like, no, I, I know he's
1: to not. Want, he wants. Sorry, right? should have to walk too. It was it was captain's call to bring him in. So if Eddie walks, you lose your oh, fucking CEO chairman. I can't make as the
2: sales of it. He lose quite like right is. It's all boys and their toys, isn't it, at the end of the day? Um, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I just, what is he doing? Why would Eddie, why does Eddie want to? Man, you've made your money. Fuck off somewhere and just chill. Like, you look miserable and you look old. Because the thing is, as as it, uh, an adult, it's an ego thing, eh? like was it's just... just
0: about to say that as an elite coach is an ego. I believe I can change, make change. I'm in charge. I'm the the dog's bollocks. I'm the I'm the guy who can change Australia rugby. But right who right? can be
2: fuck tying the ASICs up and getting on the paddock, man, and down with the boys? Oh, fuck that, man. If you love it that much, just go around with third grade champ. Might yeah, actually uh, get a win. Might actually get a win. Write a letter in.
1: Tell me why we didn't. Um, Yeah, and I'm sick of the way he speaks to the press now. It was cute for a bit, the mates and the being a dick and being aggressive. Mate, they're just trying to do their job, trying to write some stories about Australian rugby.
2: How about you stop being a dick and win a game? They actually sound like stand-up guys. If you turn it up, listen to them on the mic. They're just asking genuine questions about the team and players and he's just not giving them fucking butt lick.
1: And it's not genius. It's just dicky. Yeah, but he's being a dick because
0: now everyone in the, who doesn't follow rugby now is talking about Eddie Jones being a dick. They're not. It talking only about, works
2: if you can back it up, mate. But, he, you but back
0: it up. The, I agree. But that's why he's doing it. He's just trying to defend his players because they're talking about him being a dickhead rather than his team not performing under pressure. Um, that will be his strategy <laughs> in moving forward. Um, but it's not. It's not going to buy much time with fans. Uh, but I think it, the, the only
1: reason where. Um... We're not picking on the players like we have in the past, it's because they're so young. Mm. It feels rough to come on here. You know what I mean? Like it's it's it feels too easy to shit on and these guys didn't even play poorly, Vunavalo, Donaldson, Nongole, Um, because they're not it's not their fault they got picked. No. Not up to it. The reason we're picking on Karevi or maybe Valentini. Um, is because we expect them to be dominant against Fiji. The rest of that team, fuck it. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost mean to pick on the players. So I guess that's where pointing the gun at Eddie because they've been picked on a hiding to nothing. Mm.
0: Moving forward to project forward to that Wales game, and if you do actually obviously look forward and you, you win by a bonus point and by 10 points... Um, you have to pick a team that's right for that occasion. So do you pick if uh if obviously Tupac's not fit, if Skelton's not fit, do you pick the same team, Jim? Or do you make any changes for that Wales game? Which is you're gonna pick start. the best team. You're gonna pick the best team. is that that's what I'm saying. Without Skelton and Tupot if they're injured, is the fifteen that that started this weekend. Is it the best fifteen?
2: I think we'll see Kellaway come in. I think we'll see Skelton return. Oh yeah, because Donaldson and Carter Gordon's probably injured. So
0: um therefore that. Donaldson will play ten, yes? Yeah. Oh, oh fuck.
2: All right,
0: maybe. <laughs> yeah, That's could that could be the
2: case. How's that feel? It's a wild. And you time. guys and a four point and you know, you gotta win the with a bonus point and buy ten or whatever it is. Like you're kidding. You're kidding yourself. You asked me before, I might not even get up for it. Were you actually cool. not? Yeah, absolutely considering it. Is that what it was in the wind? Like Blake mentioned before, the inevitability of it. All of this was written in the wind. Absolutely, it was written in the wind. All the text chats we're a part of, everyone's like, mate, I reckon we're going to do it. Everyone already knew. And it's... to see it come to life, it's fucking. There's nothing worse. There's nothing worse than uh, we're probably going to lose this one. And you do.
0: If, um, big question, is big question, Jim, because I know Blake will give me his 10 cents in a second. If Wales uh, beat Australia or Australia don't beat by the requisite amount and you go out in the group stage, will this be the biggest Rugby World Cup uh, failure ever, particularly as you're on an,
2: quote, easier side of the draw? Will it be the biggest failure ever? I think so. And I think that's what we need to start preparing for. I think this will go down like a lead balloon, I think. But the thing is, mate, is you just... Like me today, desperately trying to find someone at work to mourn with. No one even knew it was on. No, no kid knew it was on. No one even knew. In a way,
0: some might say that that's probably a good thing because you didn't embarrass yourself from it. Um,
2: but you're right. We had a it, it shocked me. Hit me for six, man. Hit me for six.
0: Yeah, the guy that I sit next to at work, he um, walked in and was just like, oh, Blake's not going to talk to you today, is he? And he was literally the only one who knew that the rugby was going on. But his point was, this, you've not had a good team for, since 2003, and that's that's probably started the thought process. It made me think about whether this was the biggest failure ever. Cause...
2: Mate, I tell you what, 3.05 this morning, you know what I did? Uh, what's that? As soon as the game was up, the first thing I did was Ancestry.com, mate, I ordered a DNA test.
0: <laughs> mate, you bleed in uh, the red rose again, is I that right? Um,
2: mate, yes, I'm just finding the next... What, what else can I do? Who else is there? What else have I got? I need to lean on something because it's going, it's going to get much worse before it gets better. Well, fuck, I feel like we say this every year, but <laughs> it is in severe trouble, rugby in Australia. Severe. Severe. Artie Savia.
0: It is even Julian Savia, who's amazing to see him play for Moana Pacifica next year in the Super Rugby. Uh, but it is, it is a problem. And I was talking to the same guy I worked today and I was saying, if you were a gun rugby player, we just used the term rugby uh, right now, um, I think you're all going to go and play league because. Absolutely. Uh, so while get... he's looking at
2: the T's and C's and his fucking contract right now, yeah. I guarantee you is at his manager's house going, dude, can we run over this? Is there a clause or something? Uh-huh. Is there a little Santa Claus I can get out on for Christmas?
0: Now, Blake, I know you're champing at the bit because you kept on trying to get into that. I talked over you. Sorry about that. But um, what is is it is if Australia don't get out the the, uh, the group, is this the biggest
1: uh, failure in Australian rugby's history? Yeah, easily, absolutely easily. I think um, it was a loss to Italy was at our low point. Lost Argentina was at our low point. It was the blah blah blah? There's been so many fucking low points. But I think, and this is no disrespect to Fiji—they were outstanding. They are an emerging powerhouse of world rugby, and and I'll fucking
2: calm you, far mate. Emerging powerhouse. Lost to Wales, man. They lost to Wales a week ago. Wales are balls. (laughs) All right, fair (laughs)
1: enough. Wales are balls. Um, quote that Welsh newspaper, your balls. Um, yeah, of course, of course. W- when have we not made a quarter before? Not ever. Emerging powerhouse, <laughs> <laughs> write that one down, Richard.
0: I've got it, I've got it next to uh Quade Cooper revolutionizing sevens, and that's uh, right, that's yeah. where my brain went too. <laughs> um, look, <laughs> I think we need to move on. I know it's painful and it and hurts a lot of you to talk about it, but there were other games going on, obviously, France beat Uruguay. Um, New Zealand, Hammond, Namibia. Uh, great that Samoa got up against Chile um, in that group. Wales, obviously. South
1: American sides are a real story in this World Cup. They're not mate.
0: No, it's not. And I watched actually a part of the Chile-Japan game last game, and there's a lot of potential in that in that region, and mm-hmm. um, exciting to see the game grow. And I'd actually like to ask you the question. It's been a bit frustrating with the, the rounds because there's five teams in each group. It seems like there's a long time between drinks. Uh, I'd love there to be the next World Cup in Australia. You know, the 32 teams to match kind of like the Football World Cup. So, it's a, you know, that four teams in a group. So, therefore, you get more games on a regular basis. I feel like this this tournament
2: has kind of stopped started a little bit. I feel the same way, yeah. I, like, got caught out thinking last week that they were playing again in three days. Mm. And then it was a bit of a lull. Yeah, and I've seen if, some uh, good things
1: on, uh, on the socials. I think Nelson Dale, um, an Australian fellow who does another rugby podcast, had a, a pretty cool format. Where you do that, but then you have the bowl like you do in the sevens. Nice, um, which I thought wasn't a bad setup because the the current setup. I agree, and I know the time zones just doesn't help for an Australian audience. You talk about third and fourth playoffs. No, no, like you did two tiers. So there's quarters for the top teams, in the pool quarters for the bottom two teams in the pools, Um, and you play for that trophy. Um, to more games, more revenue, more stuff for fans to watch. Because, because I agree, and I actually think under the current setup, yeah, the nations are getting better. There was only one competitive game this weekend, um, yeah, and it was getting spanked. Um, so no, it's it's yeah, it's I'm losing the flow a bit. But I reckon if you were over in France, it probably wouldn't feel like that. Um, but given our time zones, it does feel like that. Yeah, and I agree. It's just the fact as we finish this
0: game on Monday and then the next games, Italy, Uruguay on Thursday. And, you know, it's, it's a while until obviously the next, in inverted commas, you know, really, uh, really big game. And that's obviously um, mm. South Africa Island, which is on Sunday morning at five o'clock and then followed by Wales, Australia. Um, so, yeah, it's a, lost yeah. this little bit of uh, momentum for me. But you're right, probably if you're over there, in those fan parks the chat is always on there you ran rugby nuts it, you know it must be an amazing experience but and
2: it's just, easy to just show up at the business
0: end you know yeah no um but just one thing about england um obviously didn't put there it was it was tight at one point but congratulations england um a little bit more clinical at the end and great and team and definitely not great team but they team win they had to do they did what they did and um you know, pleased for them, and hopefully they'll continue to build. Do I think they'll go deep in the competition? No, but uh, hopefully these will be the, the foundational moments for, for Steve Borthwick moving. You're an forward. emerging powerhouse. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <What> <laughs> um, no, in all seriousness, England can get fucked, but um, they're playing good ten men rugby at the moment, and I genuinely think if we get past Wales, we still qualify second, right?
0: Yeah, and I think so. Play
1: England quarters, we're fucked
2: then. Anyway, mate, we're not. King beating Wales by four tries and ten points. It's not happening. thing. This is the week number ten. Donaldson's running on its end this weekend.
1: I guarantee he is. Jesus, it's going to be a nightmare. Skelton's injured. posts still injured. It's fucking Eddie Jones. Go fuck yourself. It has been just the worst season of Wallaby history. Um, and at the so worst be, time, at the worst possible time. So what you like about Dave Rennie, mate. He wasn't delivering thirty-three percent. We weren't winning games. We were fucking still competitive. Mate, he'd be he'd be happy as Larry. Right, he would just be kicking back on his guitar, singing Kumbaya. Absolutely, he's got a whole album. I told you so. <laughs> I Dave told Rennie. you so. My Dave Rennie, I love it, boys. I've got to run. Uh, just before
0: you go, quick prediction, South Africa Island, that's the big game, obviously, um, before next week's pod. Uh, South Africa Island, who you going for, Blake?
1: I think I've just drunk the Southern Hemisphere Kool-Aid for so long that I still always think New Zealand and South Africa will win against Northern Hemisphere sides, and I'm still going to drink it for one more week if I'm proved wrong again. Um, I think it's time to to shut up and admit this is
2: France and Ireland's World Cup. But for now, I'm still on South Africa. Jim? Ireland, I reckon um, South Africa can only control the game through forward domination. Mm. And that's an ebb and flow encounter when you come up against this Irish side where Ireland have way too much wit and smart about management, kicking game, territory. Um, I think they've got a lot of experience in that, successful experience too, coming up some of those northern hemisphere teams i think they're better prepared going in for this game i just still don't back willemsa all that much at 10 to be able to play big stage slow territory footy and i reckon that's going to be the difference on the day richard
0: interesting, uh, interesting to see whether they pay manu be abibi uh, barrio um outlandish if south africa do that and look I, I think i'm in agreement with you uh, blake i still um, I still think there's something about South Africa. Uh, as much as Ireland have been great, they're number one in the world, et cetera. I still think that South Africa will just uh, will just nick it in a real true test match style. I'm probably wrong, but we'll wait and see. Um, the other one, I think you've both made your, your feelings feel uh, felt. I still think Australia will beat Wales, whether they beat them by the requisite amount. I'm sure, but I feel like um, Australia will beat Wales. Um, obviously next Monday, but we'll wait. They go, the
1: boys. I hope they do. We'll be cheering them on. I'll wake up again at 1 o'clock in the morning. I'll wear my gold jersey.
2: It's on everyone. It's on a... a You're regretting that purchase, mate. 160 down the drain.
1: The most embarrassing
2: World Cup in the world. And one's um, for my kids
1: as well. Um, mate, I'll do it. I'm still dreaming the glad. I still believe. I still love the team, still love the boys, but fucking, I've never seen anything this atrocious, and we've seen some low shit since we've done this podcast. Five yeah. seconds at the end of the podcast to oh, so I, I have to go. Hey, All right. Uh, Can I
2: leave yeah. you to wrap it up? Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. We'll wrap it up now. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye.